You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah. Don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Yeah. All right, welcome to Chalk Talk. My name is Matt Minnick. Joining me today from Locked On Bengals is Jake Lisko. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. We've recorded an episode of Lockdown Bengals. I'm just making my rounds out here. I, I think I have to go on another pot. No, I'm doing that Wednesday. I'm only doing two today. I mean, it's that, that time of year, right? Everybody's everybody's talking. Everybody's looking for new guests. And everybody's out there hungry for content with the with the state of the world right now. So, uh, you know, happy to happy to talk football all the time, right? Always. That's what we're here for. So. Today, what we're going to focus on, there's been a lot of criticism about the Bengals scouting department. Pro Football Reference actually has a, a something called the approximate value, and I tweeted this out earlier today, uh, and they graded the Bengals out as having the fifth uh, highest uh, approximate value from the uh, from their draft picks over the last 20 years. Uh, so they ranked them out pretty high on that. Pro Football Focus uh, looked at them recently, found that they were one of the better teams in the league drafting from 2006 to 2016. Obviously, over the last three years, we've had some issues with Ross's injury, with um, uh, with Billy Price, uh, you know, not not performing, uh, and and then this past year, PFF not surprisingly found that they got the least value out of this class. Drew Sample played limited role, and Jonah Williams wasn't able to play all year. So we have a lot of uh, – you get a lot of takes out there and, and people talking, well, the Bengals can't draft this, they can't draft that. Uh, so Jake and I are going to get to the bottom of it today, and we're going to go through position by position to see, you know, do they have problems with certain positions? Are they better at others? Uh, and, you know, for – just to just to cover it, because uh, I think we all know the direction they're going here. We'll start with the quarterback position. So they drafted a quarterback in the fourth round last year, Ryan Finley. Logan Woodside the year before in the seventh. Uh, then you got to go way back to 2014. A.J. McCarron was a fifth-round pick. And then in 2011, Andy Dalton uh, was a second-round pick. Carson Palmer would have been the last time they took one in the first. And then, obviously, Akili Smith not too long before that. So... So Jake, what do you what do you think? I, we we all know where they're going to go, and we we hope we know how it's going to turn out uh, with quarterback this year. But what do you think? Uh, do you think they have it figured out how to draft quarterbacks or not? I think that they have a much better track record than most of the NFL. I don't remember who tweeted it, but somebody has some data. On oh, I think it was uh, James Coburn, Jim Metrics, tweeted out a little study that he did based on his data. He does all that metric data for the NFL draft, the thresholds and stuff. And what he has found is that in the last few years, NFL teams have gotten worse 
at evaluating quarterbacks and gotten worse at drafting quarterbacks correctly. The Bengals, on the other hand, go from Achilles Smith, which didn't work out, to Carson Palmer, who was the correct selection. Andy Dalton is a great pick. When you talk about, you did this, I think, recently, the Bengals' best second-round picks in the last 10 years, going back to Carlos Dunlap in 2010, it's Andy Dalton and Carlos Dunlap, and Dunlap has been the better player, I think, compared to the rest of his peers. But when you get a starting quarterback in the second round for what you got him for nine years, eight years, that doesn't happen in the NFL. No. Then more recently, AJ McCarron was a a very good fifth round backup quarterback type. The Bengals, of course, had the famous botch trade that would have retrieved the second and third (laughs) round pick from the Browns. Logan Woodside, seventh-round pick, I don't care, throwaway pick. Ryan Finley, though, is my biggest problem out of all the quarterbacks they've drafted since Achilles Smith because they traded up to get him. He had some pretty clear faults on tape. His age was a big problem for me, and I was very unexcited about the pick when they made it. It it doesn't – I mean, Ryan Finley could be a fine backup quarterback in the NFL. I think he has a long way to go to get to that point. Uh, and, and we saw last year, he's definitely not ready to start. So out, out, generally speaking, they seem to be doing a good job, especially in the early rounds. Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer. How many teams can you point to and say they've only, you know, they've drafted two quarterbacks in, you know, an 18-year period in, a, in the top two rounds and only two guys started? It's, it's yeah. a pretty small list. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, and, and A.J. McCarron, you know, still a backup in the league. You know, six years later, uh, for a, for a fifth round pick hanging around like that and um, yeah what we'll, we'll to see about Finley you know it's 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 a little early but I'm I'm with you that wasn't the guy I wanted there um, but I mean you do see the makings of a guy that all right maybe he could be a good solid backup but uh, but yeah we'll we'll have to see and and as far as Dalton I mean yeah getting a starting quarterback in the second round who's going to do that much for your franchise for that long um, even though you know you can say he was a limiting factor. The amount you got out of him for where you took him is, is really incredible. I mean, it's, it's not Tom Brady at 199, but but it's still it's still pretty uh, pretty crazy. So and, and the mistake wasn't drafting Andy Dalton. The the mistake, if you want to say there was a mistake in the way they handled it, might have been doubling down and extending him, right? Mm-hmm. Like the but but in 2015 they were so good, so yeah. you kind of get it. Uh, at the same time because he did get them to a point when they were a very good football team with a loaded roster at the point where you committed that much of your salary cap to him that much of your resources to him if you really want to say you know what that's when they needed to move on and and take a year and find another quarterback because they didn't get it done with Andy Dalton and he's not doing enough to justify that kind of money if you want to talk about a mistake it wasn't the draft pick Uh, look Hindsight's twenty twenty, you know, and, and and I hate the we should have taken Mahomes take, but at, at the end of the day, it, yep. Dalton was all right back then, and the team was starting to fall off, but they had some pieces. Like that's when you take a quarterback, you know. So, you know, I, I absolutely see see what you're talking about there, and and yeah, they could have they could have made a move move like that uh, definitely, but. Well, and, and even if it isn't Mahomes, because consensus on Mahomes wasn't top quarterback prospect, sure. it was there were some people that were fully all in on Mahomes for sure, but it wasn't consensus. 
even if it's not Mahomes, you still have Deshaun Watson a couple picks later. That's mm-hmm. that's going to work out pretty nicely for you too. Like e- either of those picks would have been fine. And, and isn't this a year when when it was anything but quarterback? So that's why I didn't even look at the quarterback really that year. I just know what the consensus was. Yeah. Yep. No. No. Absolutely. And I think we we forget about that. That it, it really Trubisky. A lot of people were talking about Trubisky. Like the people, the league people were talking about Trubisky. A lot of us on the internet were talking about Mahomes and Watson. They're, yeah. you know, they, they definitely had their followers, but, but, you know, I feel like the people that were connected, the people that were, were former scouts and everything, like that's where, that's where the league seemed to be going with Chris Trubisky. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy, uh, you know, for them to be picking him. So, and, and the league has been wrong on quarterbacks a lot. Oh yeah. And it's, it's not very often you get a guy like Burrow where you have so many people saying, you know, best quarterback prospect since luck, who is the best quarterback prospect since whoever, you know, it, it's not <laughs> yeah. very often that you get, these these consensus quarterback prospects in in January. Usually, it takes some time to be like, you know what? I think it's I think it's Mayfield this year. I guess last year it was Kyler Murray, but that's because it was a relatively weak quarterback class. I think. Yeah, last year was a, was a, a weird year. There wasn't much there, and um, and yeah, and even so, I mean, you got to wonder. A couple of years ago, before Russell Wilson and and you know Baker having some success, if if Kyler Murray's even really a conversation at that point, that would have that would have been a really weird year if yeah. they were afraid of short guys still. So Burrow, I think we can all agree that Burrow seems like a slam dunk, and really the biggest threat to Burrow is the offensive line. So we'll transition over to that area, uh, and I and I did break it down. So we'll, we'll talk first about the tackle position. Yeah. So Jonah Williams last year in the first, I had, you know, personally, he was my OT one, but we have yet to see anything. Rod Taylor in the seventh, the year before, uh, never, never caught on. I think he got injured. And then we go back to 2015, Cedric Ubwehi with in the first, Jake Fisher in the second. In 2013, Tanner Hawkins and Reed Fraggle. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Uh, those are day three picks. If there was a day three back then. Uh, 2010 Otis Hudson, uh, uninspiring list right here. Uh, if we go outside of our of our 10 year parameter to 2009, Andre Smith, who was never really the top draft pick that you wanted, but was a solid player that, that started a lot of games. Uh, you go back a little bit further. Uh, Whitworth was a second rounder, and um, way back you would find uh, Levi Jones was a first rounder. Uh, who is a who is a real good player for them? Uh, so, do we have a problem here? Is this making well, you worried a, about it's a, Williams? It's a bit of a recent problem, right? And then there was also Anthony Collins in two thousand eight. So from two thousand six to two thousand nine, the Bengals did pretty well with drafting tackles because Andrew Whitworth should be a Hall of Famer. I'm shocked he wasn't on the All Decade team that came out today. Well, maybe I'm not shocked. Uh, maybe I'm a little surprised. Uh, the names on that list are very good. I, yeah, I just think he should have been. I just think he should have been on the list. Uh, but but Anthony Collins was a solid tackle for a fourth round pick. Andre Smith is still in the league. He's he's still mm. in Baltimore, right? Uh, and, and then the problems start. They they have these tackles and they're playing for the Bengals for a while. So once those contracts come up. They're like, okay, maybe we need to look for some tackles of the future because in 2015, 2014, even 2013, they were they were doing a lot of drafting for the future. A lot of these first-round picks weren't expected to make major contributions in year one, and I think that's also true of Cedric Abuehi, who 
was coming off an injury and didn't work out is one of very few I think offensive line picks they've made that didn't work out at the combine or a pro day. And the other exception on this list that I find pretty interesting is Andre Smith running the uh, 20 yard shuttle in over 4.9 seconds is, is a pretty big exception for them. Uh, so if you want to make an argument for, if you're an Isaiah Wilson fan from Georgia and you like him for the Bengals, you're, you're hoping that they're going to draft that, that outlier because he, his, uh, 20 yard shuttle was was over five seconds so they have a pattern there of, of generally liking athleticism but 2015 things go way wrong and and Paul Alexander had been so good for so long that even after that draft happened I, I didn't like the way he picked at the time but I I didn't think it was necessarily like a, a franchise derailing pick that it turned out to be and, and it really set them back. And then Jake Fisher, I thought, was a, a good draft pick. I, I liked that pick in the second round quite a bit. I thought, okay, boy, he's probably not going to turn into anything, but at least they have Fisher. And Fisher can be okay in a couple of years. And he had a weird career. He had the heart condition. I, I think yeah. he had a hard time keeping weight on. And so, you know, he was yeah, trying to play tight end. They were talking about him as a tight end. because yeah. you know, And I think it was part of the heart condition, too, that he wasn't keeping yeah. the weight on. But, yeah. So, so yeah, I think there's there's definitely a, a problem there that hopefully Jonah Williams has, has kicked that trend. And and they just were so set back by the 2015 draft that it you know it, it, it makes me wonder, is it Paul Alexander? Was 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 that his decision? Were those his guys? And I think yes, mm. because I think he got a lot of what he wanted on the offensive line. And to, to Duke Tobin's credit, the Bengals had a good offensive line for a very long time, and it wasn't until 2015 that things really started falling apart. Yeah, and people forget because of recent years, Paul, Paul Alexander is really well respected, you know, particularly as a zone coach. And when they had the right guys and they were running that scheme, like you know, he was he was a guy that that had a lot of uh, you know a lot of respect in the league. He got that Cowboys job pretty quickly when he left here, even, um, but. You look to last year when they tried to run some zone stuff early. They got better when they started running more of the gap down scheme type stuff. And uh, and you know to to you know their credit, the the new staff was able to adjust to that. And I think maybe maybe he wasn't quite the right guy when they when they got into that position. So let's take a look at the interior line, and I think we're going to see a a, you know, a bit of a similar trend. There's been a more a more recent success. Uh, in that area, we have Michael Jordan, who, for a fourth-round pick, showed some flashes last year. You know, the jury's out. Uh, Billy Price, who has, you know, not lived up to round one. J.J. Uh, Dealman, I believe the Broncos stole him off our pra- practice squad, and he started some games for them. I think he's he's done some things in the league. Uh, Christian Westerman, who fans, fans love, but uh, no Bengals coaching staff ever really has. Uh, Russell Bodine, we know how that worked out. Uh, TJ Johnson was a pretty pretty solid backup. You know, that was back in 13 in a seventh round pick, so uh, not, a, not a bad one there. And then we go back to 2012, Kevin Zeitler in the first and the year before that, 2011. Uh, Clint Bowling in the fourth round. And in 2010, Reggie Stevens in the seventh. So what do we think about interior line? A little better here maybe? 
Yeah, I think this one's kind of tricky to evaluate because they generally historically haven't put a bunch of resources into it very often. Billy Price in the first round in 2018 was the pick after Frank Ragnow got sniped by the Lions one pick before. Mm -hmm. So you feel a lot differently about this yeah. if they get Frank Ragnow, who is by all accounts their guy. And and at the time, I thought Billy Price was a panic pick. You can go back and look at my tweets. I wanted them to take Lamar Jackson in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was on the quarterback train, you know, that year <laughs> after missing on Mahomes and, and Watson, although neither of them did anything their rookie year. I just really like Lamar Jackson as a prospect. But Christian Westerman was a great pick in the fifth round. Didn't necessarily pan out, as you mentioned. The, the guys prior to that, obviously Kevin Zeitler, great first-round pick. Although they did move back, and they opted not to take David DeCastro that year, which I found questionable. I forgot Zeitler's about that. been yeah. <laughs> a very good player. Yeah. But uh, DeCastro was a guy that was seen the same way that we saw Quentin Nelson a couple of years ago for the for the Colts. So I did not like moving back and passing on DeCastro, but it, it worked out well enough, right? And then Clint Bowling, absolutely fantastic pick in the fourth round. So yeah. they generally don't invest resources here. Um, when they have, usually it's been okay. But the Billy Price pick, is is a huge glaring issue the the stubbornness with russell bodine was an issue they've generally found these guys you know kyle cook was he an undrafted free agent and and now that you they've got trey hopkins undrafted free agent they're finding these guys yeah. was kyle, redmond was kyle a cook free agent as well he's still around what's that alex redmond was a was a free redmond. agent as well right um and, and they tried like jonathan weeks they picked in 2009 one year before our cutoff date and he was the, the the Remington Award winner. He was the best center in college football mm -hmm. that year and just didn't pan out. And that wasn't surprising. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, it's hard for me to, to, to really make a, a judgment on interior offensive line because they go after it so infrequently. But Billy Price was not a good draft pick. On, and on that note, too, so Billy Price was a first-round pick. Kevin Zeitler was a first-round pick. The rest of these guys are day three picks. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Russell Bodine uh, and, and Clint Bowling and Michael Jordan, all fourth round picks. Those are the next highest picks. Uh, mm -hmm. So so like you said, they're not really investing in it. Um, and again, it's a new coaching staff. And this coaching staff does, you know, have a lot uh, of pull, I believe, um, in who they pick more so than with with other scouting departments. Um, but, you know, it kind of makes you wonder is. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, you know, some of those guys we talk about that they could take in the second round. Um, I mean, are, are we more likely to be waiting on a, you know, a Damian Lewis in the, in the fourth round or something? Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know who I really like this year? Damian Lewis I would be happy with in the fourth round for sure, but I, I'm really hoping that Ben Barch is there in the fourth round. Mm. And, and I think that Jim Turner is going to like him for Mobile, Alabama. I think he can play guard. I think that would be a fun pick. Yeah, and I I believe both of those guys uh, were on the South roster in, in Mobile. Is that correct? I think they, I think they both were. So yes. um, that's a great point. And yeah, I wonder I wonder if Bart will make it because he's you know he's uh, had a lot of interest. It. If somebody thinks he's a tackle, he'll probably go in the third. Like, but but <laughs> yeah, if, if everybody agrees he's a guard, then, yeah. then maybe he'll be around. But yeah, but, I, I agree that could be a, that could be a great pickup. Um, and the 33 I, I inch arms might scare some it? teams. The 33 inch arms might scare some teams off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that he didn't work out, he got hurt at the senior bowl and we don't have any, any athletic testing for him. Yeah. Especially projecting from, uh, from D three, but, um, yeah. And I think you, you hit on that too, with the senior bowl, I think the senior bowl South roster, like we got to look hard at that because with the situation, uh, you know, with not being able to bring in these prospects, the Bengals have a huge advantage specifically with the guys that they coached. Um, so we could definitely see a lot of those guys. And I, I was looking through it today, and there's some there's some fairly exciting names on that list too, in, including Barch and Lewis and Cushenberry as well. So, uh, and what about the, the tackle position? I know uh, you're a big Josh Jones guy, right? I would not be upset with a Josh Jones pick in the second round. Here's my thing with the tackle class this year is everyone talks about Joe. People are talking about not everyone. People are talking about Joe Burrow as a one-year wonder just from the leap he took from 2018, 2019. That's true for most of the tackles that we're talking about in the first round. I think an exception to that, Andrew Thomas, everybody had last year and he stayed in the first round. Some people had Tristan Wirth. Jedrick Wills came out of nowhere. Mekhi Becton came out of nowhere. Nobody was very high on either of those players on all the preseason lists that I could find when I quickly looked yesterday. Sure. Uh, and only some people were on Tr- Tristan Wirfs. And, and I don't think anyone was on Josh Jones. He took a big leap as well. I mean, there were people, when you could see where the Bengals' season was going, there were people projecting them as the first overall pick and saying that they should take Andrew Thomas. Mm-hmm. And now... He's probably going to go in the first round, but he's kind of an afterthought in this in this tackle class because guys like Wirfs and, and Becton have have moved up so much, and and Will's really on the strength of one game has pushed himself to the front of that list in a lot of people's minds. Um, and uh, no disrespect, but every conversation you have with somebody about Jedrick Wills, it's like, wow, did you see him against Auburn? Uh, so you know, it, yeah, it, it, it's definitely very interesting, and I mean, I think it speaks to the fact that people don't. Most people aren't aren't grinding offensive line tape uh, for for people that aren't draft eligible until it, until it gets down to it. Yeah, yep. So, it, but yeah, but go. also this year that there were a lot of guys that had huge performance improvements if you trust PFF and their grading is at least consistent across players, right? So even if you don't like their outcomes or whatever you want to call it, 
if you're looking at like four different tackles that had average at best 2018s and very, very good 2019s to get them in the first round conversation, it's just it's just more acceptable at other positions. Uh, quarterback has more of a history where you need multiple years of production. Sure, sure. Yeah, so moving on, uh, we'll, we'll look at the tight end position. Uh, this is actually, I think, I think somebody might, might treat this to Joe the other day, but um, uh, last year, Drew Sample in the second. Haven't seen anything out of that. Everybody thought it was a reach. Um, Mason Shrek uh, in the seventh round, 17, hasn't caught it along yet. Uh, had some injury issues. In 15, they had Croft in the third and C.J. Uzama in the fifth. Uh, in 13, they had Eifert in the first, Orson Charles in the fourth in 2012, and Jermaine Gresham in the first in 2010. So, I mean, that, that looks like a pretty good history to me. Uh, it's a really Drew good aside. <laughs> yeah. The Drew Sample pick is just, I, I have no idea what happened. It's just so confusing to me. I, there, there are a couple of theories that we talked about on the podcast. I think yesterday we talked about how they liked A.J. Brown. We think they liked A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown goes one pick before the Bengals are on the clock there. Maybe it's one of the guys that are like, oh, we don't really need a receiver. But if he's there after we trade back, we'll take him. But instead he goes one pick earlier, and then they end up on Drew Sample. I, I think they wanted Dalton Reisner. I think they wanted Cody Ford. We know they wanted Cody Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that worked out. So they end up on Sample, who I just uh, – I'm not going to uh, – maybe, maybe this year we'll answer some of those questions. I didn't really see the vision for him last year. Even if he is this all-world blocker coming out of college, you don't mm-hmm. expect that to translate right away in the NFL. It's going to take some time for most guys. And, and there yeah. are exceptions, but usually they played for Iowa – so, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially that position. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see and see how it adjusts. I think that people get caught up on the fact that he's a blocking tight end. I think that's what our offense really wants. You know, I and, and the fact of the matter is, if you have A.J. Green and John Ross and Tyler Boyd and they're healthy, there's not a lot of balls to go to a, you know, to, to go to a, a, even a healthy Tyler Eifert. Um, yeah. So, you well, know, I, I think I think that is the guy they want, and I don't think he's going to make a lot of big plays. But yeah, it, it was it was a weird one to me. I'm with I'm with you on that. They they um, also have Auden Tate, who plays a lot of that same role. Like if they wanted if they wanted to move tight end, Auden Tate can do a sure. lot of those things. They use him outside, but he can do those things. They they also still have Yuzama on the roster. They like him, and they like him more than I do. I think as a player, I really like him as a person. He's a yeah. fantastic human being. Excellent to talk to. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Drew Sample does, sorry, just quickly, Sample does have the athleticism. He, he can be a fine pass catching tight end. And it sounds like the Bengals had plans to use him at the end of last year after he got hurt. Yeah, I think Uzama, I feel like last year, everybody was really high on him in the offseason. And I was just kind of like, yeah, he's okay. And this yeah, year, people yeah. were really down on him and, he, I thought he was okay last year. He just he's, dropped a couple yeah. balls that people really noticed, but he's still like, still okay. Yeah, he was just that was what he was. And I think maybe we just had these expectations that he was going to be greater than what he was. Um, but but I think you know between if, if Sample ends up being something pretty decent, you know, you can rotate those guys in, and I yeah. think you can live at that position. You make a great point about Tate, um, you know, and and I think that the only thing you don't get from Tate is Auden Tate doesn't put a linebacker on the field. So you're not really getting a, a mismatch in the yeah. terms of the personnel. 
Um, yeah. And neither neither Uzama or or Sample splitting them out isn't going to get you you know any any better position either. So that that transitions us nicely though to, to receivers. So Auden Tape that was an awesome seventh round pick uh, in in 2018. Uh, 2017, they, they doubled down with Ross in the first and uh, Josh Malone in the fourth. The year before, Tyler Boyd in the second, Cody Core in the sixth. Somebody named Mario Alford, who I don't even remember in the seventh, the year before. Uh, James Wright in, in 2014 in the seventh. Kobe Hamilton in the sixth in 2013. Uh, 2012 was huge. Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones. And then the year before, uh, that was a third round pick and a fifth round pick. Uh, and the year before, uh, 2001, excuse me, 2011, A.J. Green in the first, Ryan Whalen in the sixth. The year before that, Jordan Shipley in the third, and Desmond Briscoe in the sixth. So, I mean, there's some pretty big names on here. Um, you know, uh, John Ross aside, and, you know, Malone kind of busted out. I'd say pretty, pretty good. What do you think? They have a great history of drafting wide receiver, and you can see what they're trying to do in each of these drafts as well, right? Like Jordan Shipley is a great slot receiver at, you know, at the tail when they, when they have Jerome Simpson still on the team, you know, you're kind of transitioning to a new wide receiver core at that point. Shipley was a fine third round pick. He got hurt. AJ green, fantastic pick. No one's going to question that. Ryan Whalen is, I mean, they, they draft a lot of receivers. So these late round guys are going to hit every now and then. And yeah. the best example of that, of course, Marvin Jones, who I think I remember specifically Joe and I in 2012, Joe really liked Marvin Jones. Um, and, and when he was there in the fifth round, it's like, oh, hell yeah. They, they actually drafted the guy that we had like a second round grade on. So this is this is fantastic. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting, right? This is a position that they clearly value. How many years mm-hmm. did we skip there? They didn't draft a wide receiver in 2019. Is that it? Every other year of the decade, that was the last time. Least... And and there's they uh, they doubled up often five times in that time span. So every other yeah. year they're taking two, and almost every year they're taking one. Yeah, I mean, this is I think is it's a, highly likely, a... even with only seven picks, with what the receiver class looks like this year, I think it's likely we see one on day two, and then another one on day three. I, I you know I actually just wrote an article about this the other day about positions where they're likely to double up. Uh, I think linebacker and I think receiver is probably the most likely. Yeah. I just wish they had more picks because that makes me feel so much better about doubling down on anything in this year's class. And there's the fourth round uh, should be pretty good early this year. I think fifth, sixth round, there's, there's not as much, uh, they're likely that I'm going to like, but they, they're my, they're always guys that fall. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few and like, you, there were a couple of guys from Rhode Island, uh, uh, you know, at the, uh, at the combine. Uh, and you know, one of them, uh, uh, Colder was like really fast too. Like, like re- really looked good. So you know, there might be some development to kind of bring him in challenging, uh, type of guys in that mix. Um, yeah. So like you said, you can definitely, you can see where they were going with it. They're always bringing it up. Uh, you know, Cody Core was a sixth round pick, and they got solid special teams work out of him. James Wright is James Wright still in the league? I, he, I mean, James Wright was a seventh round pick, and you know, he's a name people know. I think he played for the Vikings for a few years after that, and uh, you know, so he was able to stick around a little bit. And you know, they, I mean, they've done they've done well. And, and Tate, um, I'm probably not quite as high on Tate as a lot of people are, but 
Tate's a Tate's a really good seventh round pick. Um, yeah, I, so, I know we have to talk about defense, but on Tate, I, I don't I don't know. Let's talk about that real quick because sure. I, I don't think he's a Q, I don't think he's a wide receiver one. I don't think he has that sort of upside. I don't even think he has necessarily wide receiver two upside, but I think he does a very specific thing. And this is what I've been talking about with Auden Tate since we first saw him in the preseason in 2018. He, he just that body, that size. It's just, yeah. it's a weapon. It's a specific thing that he does really well that earns him a spot on the team because he's situationally just as good as anybody else could be in certain roles. And I think that he's, he's not your every down wide receiver, but where you use him, he can be very dangerous. And look, the problem that we had at receiver last year was there was zero separation. And, no speed. And Tate is the worst of that. Uh, yeah. But as you said, because he's got that size and now we're going to have the right quarterback. I mean, Joe Burrow is the right guy to throw to those guys. I would love to go get a, a receiver who can separate or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, He's going to make on Tate quite a bit better. I'm with you. I, I think people talk about, hey, you can plug Tate in there. I don't I don't want Tate to be an every down guy for me. I don't want him in my, I mean, really, it ends up being almost like your top three. I want to be like the, the receiver four that you yeah. kind of see situationally. Um, I, I do think he has some value in that way. But, yeah, I don't think he's, you know, I don't, I don't think you want him uh, to depend on him all the time. Um, real, you know, real quick, we'll, we'll do running back. I don't think it's going to be a big thing with us this year, but two last year um, that we didn't see anything out of. Rodney Anderson was injured, six-round pick. Travion Williams uh, dressed up but rarely played, six-round pick. Mark Walton obviously was an off-the-field thing, fourth-round pick the year before. Joe Mixon in the second. Uh, then it goes way back to 2014. Jeremy Hill in the second, who – Despite we all remember him for the fumble, Jeremy Hill had a couple pretty good years. Uh, the year before that, Gio uh, in the second and uh, Rex Burkhead in the sixth. And then a couple of guys I never heard of in 12 and 11, Dan Heron and Jay Finley. Finley. Uh, so, yeah, what, what, what do you think uh, the, the running back spot overall? Man, you don't remember Boom Heron? Oh, that's Boom. I, didn't, I, I don't think I ever knew he had a first name. <laughs> yeah, that's Boom Heron. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I didn't like the Jeremy Hill pick at the time. I thought that going second round running back two years in a row was rich. I just, I don't know. That that pick wasn't for me. Carlos Hyde was still on the board. I'm sure many remember. Allen Robinson went a few picks later to Jacksonville. Jarvis Landry a few picks later to Miami. So the, the Jeremy Hill pick stands out as one. They had just drafted a running back in the second round, and I really liked Geo. They needed a running back at that point. That was a great pick. I, I absolutely love yeah. that pick. And they had uh, Rex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean, they, they had a couple guys in there. Rex yeah. Burkhead. Uh, they never they never figured out how to use Rex Rex Burkhead. No, which they was unfortunate. Didn't. <laughs> um, but it, maybe if they don't draft Jeremy Hill, Jeremy Hill, they figure it out, right? Yeah. So, uh, generally speaking, you got to be happy with what they do at running back. They get production out of these guys. Um, just like quarterback, they get production out of the quarterbacks that they have playing for them, generally speaking, as well. So I, I don't think there are any major complaints at running back, except for that maybe they, they draft them in the second round too often. That's three of them in the last decade. I would like that number to be lower. I would like to see more of them on day three. But yeah. they did that this year, and I was very happy to see that. I really like the roll of the dice 
on Rodney Anderson. It hasn't worked out so far, but it looks like he's getting back and might be healthy. And Travion Williams, even if even if he doesn't ever do anything as an NFL player, and I don't know if he will or he won't, he's just another really good guy. He's he's a very nice human being. And so is Andy Dalton, right? You, you can't have too many of these guys in your in your locker room, but yeah. uh, you, you need football players at some point. But Travion Williams, at the very least, is a great presence, great character guy. I was really confused when they drafted two running backs last year yeah. and then they extended Geo. Yeah. And you know they're going to extend Joe Mixon, too. So, uh, you know, because yeah. to me, the, those two guys, like, that was a perfect replacement for Mixon and Geo. If that's the plan and you're, you're going to let those guys walk. Like, I, I mean, a, a healthy Rodney Anderson can do a lot of the same things Mixon can. And Travion Williams, um, I mean, his like his pass protection in college, like that's the probably the only time I've ever watched college pass protection and been like, holy crap, this running back can actually block. So, yeah. I mean, to me, like they, they could have filled a very similar role. So it was surprising when they went ahead and extended Geo and then didn't and then barely used him this year too. <laughs> the thing is, both those guys have to hit, and you're you're then asking two sixth round picks to replace two second round picks. Sure, which sure. Is is a tall order, especially with Rodney Anderson's injury history. So I I really hope yeah. Rodney Anderson is healthy. I think that maybe if he was healthy and he went out there and balled out the way that he showed he could do it at Oklahoma, maybe maybe they're not considering the mix and extension so much, but. Given yeah. where they are right now, he's he's going to be an important part of this offense, and uh, I just hope that he gets more, uh, uh, you know, Todd Gurley sized deal, not the first one, but the more recent one. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No, that that that'd be interesting. Uh, you know, the the Gurley thing kind of, you know, setting the market in the first place, and did is he resetting the market now? And it'll be interesting to see how that stuff shakes down in the next couple of years, and. Maybe we got lucky with with where things are at with uh, mixing in the timeline. Uh, so shifting over to defense, uh, we'll we'll start on the line um, and the interior line. Rennell Wren last year in the fourth. Jury's still out a little bit. Andrew Brown in the fifth. Um, I, again, we've seen some flashes, but a little underwhelming. Uh, that was the year before. Uh, the year before uh, that in uh, 2017, Brian Glasgow, good when he's on the field, but hadn't been on the field. Uh, in in 16, there was uh, Andrew Billings in the fourth, uh, who obviously was a good player for us and, and recently walked. Uh, then there's a big gap. Uh, Devin still in the second back in 2012. Obviously, that guy had some other things going on in his life. Um, Brandon Thompson in the third that same year. And then uh, the, the home run of all home runs, uh, Gino in the fourth back in 2010. So... A little, a little hard to judge this position. What do you think? Well, they drafted a Hall of Famer in 2010, Geno Atkins, just named to the All-Decade team. That makes mm-hmm. him almost a shoe-in for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, I mean, when you start there, it's oh, looking yeah. pretty good. Devin still in 2012 was a guy that uh, was a faller in, in the second round at that point. He was the 53rd overall pick, and... He was seen as kind of a fringe first round guy that year. So I didn't have any problems with the pick at the time. It obviously didn't work out. Brandon Thompson, I thought was a fine nose tackle with uh, a little bit of juice to his game. And I think he was like just kind of a fine player for a, for a late third round pick. Uh, I'm not mad at Brandon Thompson at all. And then, like you said, there's that gap. So Andrew Billings in 2016, fantastic pick. I, I mean, we were talking about him as a, 
second rounder that year. And I think that if the Bengals could have kept him on the deal that the Browns got him for, that would have been uh, ideal to say the least. I, I think that's way too cheap for, for Billings. And I hope he makes himself some more money. Glasgow was a guy as a draft pick. It wasn't very exciting, but he's, he's an overachiever. And sometimes it's, it reminds me of Kenny Willickies this year. Sometimes these guys are just overachievers, right? And they mm. aren't the best athletes, but they, they just grind out and, and they get results. Some of that might be true for Sam Hubbard too. We'll have to see about him. And then Renell Wren in the fourth round, uh, he's a little bit old, but I thought it was a fine pick just because he's got a ton of athleticism and had that upside. So they they don't seem to value this position very highly is what we're seeing as a trend here, right? So fourth round no. pick, fourth round pick, fourth round pick, and then you yeah, go back all fourth, a few years. They're all they're all basically fourth round or fifth round picks outside of that one year when they went uh, they doubled up in the second and the third. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think you know Ren and Brown have some potential. I kind of, I kind of oh, wonder right, this year if they could go with with another, uh, you know, add another one. Uh, if they are looking to play that that odd front um, a little bit more because they are playing with three different tackles there. So Josh Tupo, you know, will be back in that role, uh, you know, probably as the as the third defensive tackle in on that. But I mean, I don't know for the right value if you pick up somebody in the fourth round that you think can come in and do that, and then maybe shift into a, a greater role as, as Gino's on his way out. Um, I could see that happening. I think that's, I don't think it's a need, uh, I you know, especially with, with DJ reader, but I think it's a, it'd be an interesting thing to look at. I think it's a need. Gino is on the wrong side of 30. He's their only three tech, unless you count uh, Andrew Brown in that role. They seem to see him as a defensive end though. So I think they need to get him lined up in like more five tech three tech kind of stuff but they, they keep using him outside as an edge rusher and that is not where he excels as mm. soon as he's hit he he's done there there's the the burst to his game plays a lot better inside and i like the pick uh but i like it at three tech and so i love josh tupo uh, he, he's one of my favorite players on the team actually uh I, I think it's a need though i think it's a future need it's not a pressing need yeah but we we did our hierarchy of needs the other day we, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You, you talked mm-hmm. about this on one of your podcasts recently, and it's it's a third tier need. Our first tier for needs was guard, right tackle, linebacker, and then edge, wide receiver, corner, and then interior defensive line is down there because those other guys, corner is a, a need for next year. Wide receiver might be a need this year. Edge, they need a fourth edge player on the team. Yeah. Linebacker, they need a starter. Right tackle, they need a starter. Guard, they need a starter. So that's the three tiers. You need a starter. You have guys that could play this year or it's a need next year. And then interior defensive line is a need sometime in the near future. So if the value is yeah. right, you take it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, did, you know, is it somebody can get in there? I think like you talk about Andrew Brown. If you have a guy like that who's even some of these guys that that are being called edges but don't have great, you know, are bigger and, and don't have great speed, didn't test that well, um, you know, really – three, four defensive end type guys, um, you know, those are guys you can plug in to those odd fronts. And and really, you know, it's, you know, we're looking for somebody to get in there and be able to play a five technique. But again, maybe maybe they're able to bump into to a, a three and, and be an eventual, uh, you know, replacement for, for Gino. Um, so yeah. moving out to the end, uh, nobody last year, Hubbard in the third was a pretty solid pick uh, in 2018. 
Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson the year before. Obviously, one of those is better than the other ones. Um, in 2015, uh, Marcus Hardison. And the year before that, I'm uh, sorry, that was 15 Hardison, uh, 14 Will Clark, and 13 Margus Hunt in the second. Uh, and then back to 2010, Carlos Dunlap in the second. So, um, again, not really – yeah, no, I mean, kind of, kind of middle picks here. Nobody not picking any late, but you know, no first rounders or anything either. Oh, yeah. What do you, what do you think of the, the uh, defensive end position? The history here is pretty interesting because around the turn of the decade, 2009, 2010, they go Michael Johnson falling, seen as a, a motor questions guy. They get him at the at the top, near the top of the third round. And then the next year, they come back and get Carlos Dunlap in the middle of the second round. So both of those guys end up being long-term starters. So that kind of colors things for them, right? So for the rest, for the next like five years or so, Dante Moak, they pick to be a strong side linebacker, pass rusher. They're looking for a speed rusher at this point. He didn't work out. Then the next year they come and they draft Marcus Hunt uh, with their extra second round pick. Didn't love the pick at the time because he's old. He was old coming into the league despite all that athleticism. He was old and raw, so there wasn't a huge opportunity for him to hit the upside and, and then things kind of get ugly a little bit, right? Will Clark who tested well, but that never showed up. Marcus Hardison was drafted as an end. And then they tried to play him at tackle. They tried to make him into a three tech, I think, or, or was it the other way around? I, I, I barely remember him. <laughs> I, I can't remember if they tried to move him from end to tackle or from tackle to end. I would think it would be from end to tackle and, and it didn't really work out. And then Sam Hubbard's a, a fine pick. So, Neither Jordan Willis, another guy, just like Will Clark, tested well. The athleticism wasn't on tape. And then Carl Lawson just had injury issues. So uh, Lawson, you really like. Sam Hubbard has been better than I thought he would be. I thought third round was actually pretty correct for him, whereas most people saw him as a second rounder. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, they did really well. So they haven't had to draft this position very highly. And now 10 years later, if this is a future need. This isn't like a pressing need. They do need one guy. I think they want a fourth guy. Yeah. Uh, and and this is something that I'm a little bit like I'm worried that they're gonna that they like Terrell Lewis too much because I think he's a, a mid third round, early third round kind of guy. I'm just worried they're gonna trade back and pick him. But I think there's enough other stuff to tempt them out of that possibility. Yeah, I'm I'm not big on on Lewis. I've, I've, uh, I've got him right around the same spot that you do. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be that type of guy that that can can stand up or can put his hand on the ground. We see Dunlap is a little bit out of position when they when they get into that yeah. odd front, that five man front stuff. Um, but it's pretty natural, I think, for both Hubbard and Lawson. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a need based on the depth overall, but also Dunlap getting older, uh, you know, showed it a little bit last year and Carl Lawson can't be trusted in terms of injuries. Uh, and is he going to be worth a second contract based on injuries is a big question mark for him. Um, or, or is he just going to get a huge contract because you know, like you're damned if you do damned if you don't with him, because he he could ball out and then, and then be like, see ya, I'm a pass rusher. I'm going to make a lot of money. Um, I think somebody's going to pay him. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, somebody, somebody's going to do that. So, 
yeah, definitely, uh, definitely something they need to be looking at. Um, it's historically though, like looking at the last 10 years, I wouldn't say this is a problem position for them. It's just a mixed bag. And they were trying to find specific archetypes for the yes. most part to, to it's, supplement it's what's they, already on the team. They loved having like a rotation out, out uh, on the other side of Dunlap. They loved having a rotation with a, like a short sawed off guy and then a huge guy. Yeah. You know, like wouldn't Will Clark was like six one or something, wasn't he? Maybe they, they rotate him good. in with uh with uh with Johnson or or uh Marcus Hunt and those guys were huge. It was like I, I I don't know, it was some some weird thing they were trying to do to try and switch it up or something with the pass rush, but um moving to linebacker then. Uh so last year Jermaine Pratt in the third looks like a pretty solid third round prick. Uh prick. Jeez. <laughs> That's what you want a linebacker as a prick, but uh a uh, pretty solid third round pick uh, for them. In the sixth, they went with Deshaun Davis. He didn't make the team the year before. Malik Jefferson, uh, you know, measurable guy, not on the team anymore. Uh, year before that, Jordan Evans in the sixth, uh, one of a few linebackers still around, probably somebody we'd, we'd like to see him move on for. Uh, Vigil was a third round pick in 2016. Meh. You know, I mean, I don't know. What do you want to have a third round pick? You know, I don't think he's ever ever became a guy you wanted to start, but he's a solid player, just not a solid starter. Uh, Paul Dawson, the year before, a third round pick. Um, Mar- uh, Marquise Flowers in sixth, uh, the year before that. Sean Porter in the fourth, back in 2013. And then here's a trivia question for you. The, uh, the Bengals had two fourth round picks. In 2010, who was the guy not named Geno Atkins they selected? If you guess Roderick Muckleroy, you are correct. Uh, so uh, this uh, this is a troubling list. What do you what do you think? They don't value the position. This is another one of those where they try to get by on third round, day three, undrafted yep, no second rounders. Yeah, it's it's that you know they they picked uh, Keith Rivers in the first round that one time. <laughs> 2008. Then he broke his jaw and they got scared. In 2005, they picked David Pollock. They move him into an edge rushing situation. He was figuring it out before his career ended prematurely. Odell Thurman was a great second round pick in 2005. Mm-hmm. That's the only time they invested in a linebacker. Before that, you have to go all the way back to Takeo Spikes and, and Brian Simmons. They took two linebackers in the first round in 1980, 1998. Uh, and, and since then, in the last 10 years, they just they do not value the position. And uh, I'm okay with that. It's just you you would hope they would hit more than like 20% of these picks because Jermaine Pratt looks like he'll be fine. But Malik yep. Jefferson, for all that athleticism, they can never get him to figure it out. I'm sure the coaching change didn't help him. Uh, Nick Vigil is a guy that, you know, I think he struggled with some injuries at times. He, he couldn't stay on the field early in his career. And he, he showed the the toolkit and mm-hmm. just never put it all together at the same time. Paul Dawson was a pick that I really liked though. He was very productive, but he didn't have the athleticism. I convinced myself it didn't matter and and then it, it mattered. And also I think he had some some struggles grasping the playbook. But before that it's a bunch of forgettable guys. And and a lot of this is they they truly don't value the position. And you see that they they run out Vontez Perfect as a starter on a discount for so long as an undrafted free agent, they got him on a pretty cheap deal uh, for, for what he was because he was undrafted free agent because he had some disciplinary problems, which is part of why he was an undrafted free agent. So 
we'll see if they value it any differently this year. This is this is a big question for me. If one of those guys slips to the top of the second round, Patrick Queen, uh, Kenneth Murray, do, do they pull the trigger or do they want a guy more like Zach Bond who can do more for them? Well, uh, do, do they wait until the third round? Do they trade back? Do they wait until the fourth round? Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting this because is... we don't think about them as thinking – like you don't, you wouldn't give the Bengals credit for being a team that considers position value, but we just we talked about the same thing with guard. Now we're talking about with linebacker. They don't take these guys high, um, but, and you know, look at free agency. I think we all we all wanted Graham Glasgow and we all wanted Corey Littleton, and they waited and they got defensive backs. They got the more value position. They got DJ Reader, um, and then eventually they they gave us some guys at those positions. Uh, but, but at a discount and, and not necessarily, you know, not the guys we were talking about right away. So, um, you, you didn't see a change there. You didn't, you didn't see them really prioritize it. Uh, though it sounds like they were at least in on Schobert. Uh, so yeah, that, that's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Is we all like to talk about Patrick Crean and Kenneth Murray and these guys, but is that even in the, in the picture in round two? I, I really don't. I think it is. I think that there's a very clear picture of the things that they value, the things they spend money on, that they spend draft capital on. And generally, it's in line with the things we think they should. So the yeah. Bengals actually deserve some credit for this. They generally, and there are exceptions to this, obviously, they're generally investing their high round draft picks in corners and quarterbacks and wide receivers and tackles. And then uh, there, there's some that they really don't value defensive tackle. Uh, which is interesting because they went out and they paid DJ Reader. So yeah. <laughs> it, it's DJ Reader to me, I think, though, is a, is a solution for the first two levels of their defense. They see him as a guy that can totally change the way their linebackers play in addition to the way that their defensive line can play. So yeah. I, I don't I don't have a It'd problem be interesting with to see, too, with Reader. And, like, if you get Reader, and let's say they do take Patrick Queen, you know, they, they, they do invest heavily at the linebacker position – it makes you wonder, are we going to see that five-man front? Are we going to see that out front? Or if they make some improvements to the to the front, do they feel better playing a seven-man box? I think they should. They also do have this these two safeties on the team right now, uh, these two strong safeties they have to figure out what they're going to do with. So Sure, sure. And, and, and you know, Von Bell's a guy you – you sign Von Bell, you're probably planning on pay, playing him in the box. So, uh, or at so. least rock down, so – yeah, I really so, hope so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting to look at, and, and yeah, it makes you makes you wonder about that. And I mean, it certainly seems like because they put so much into the defensive backfield already um, in free agency, that receiver and maybe Zach Bond are probably where they're where they're leaning with that with that pick if they do sit at thirty three. Or or somebody who's fallen out of the first round, or they're trading back, right? I think I think the sure. options are. Get the yeah. guy who you're not expecting to be there or or trade back. And if neither of those work, then all right, who's my best, you know, who's my best player to position that I value and need available? And and then you go that way. I think I think, you know, Bond and those linebackers could fit into the category of, of guys that you don't think will be there. I think there's a chance that an offensive tackle does, but I also yep. kind of think that like seven are gonna go and it's just not gonna be worth it at that yep. point. Uh, I think from, that you like could some see of the recent all the receivers I've seen from people that are pretty connected. I just don't think it's going to be worth it there, because um, some of the guys that I'm seeing projected in the in the first round, you know, again from from guys that know what they're doing, I don't think belong in the first round. Um, 
Receivers are really talking. interesting, though. I'm sorry, go ahead. You got people talking about Willie Gay in the second round right now. Somebody tweeted at me asking if he's <laughs> – how does he compare to Patrick Willis? And and so this is where we are. We're, we're two weeks two, – two and a half weeks away. True. Or three weeks yeah. away, I guess. We, we, yeah. I mean, they've they've worn out from talking about, uh, you know, Joe Burrow doesn't want to play, you know, in certain places or – or that Miami should trade for him. So they got to come up with all kinds of things to talk about. But I think wide receiver is really interesting because it is so deep. Um, and I think five, six, maybe seven might go in the first round. But that doesn't mean that a guy they value couldn't slip through the cracks. And, like, people love to talk about uh, about Denzel Mims. He's worked himself into a position where he could be a first-round pick. But if a bunch of tackles go – you know, we know that we know the three receivers that are definitely going to go in the, in the first round. Yeah, maybe somebody still likes Chenault for all his injuries. Maybe somebody really likes Jalen Rager. You know, like if a couple of receivers that weren't in and Jefferson, too, you know, is a guy there. So if a couple of receivers that maybe we don't think will go in front of Mims go in front of Mims, he could he could definitely slip. Because I, th- I think the hot spot for those for a lot of those receivers is going to be at the end of the first round. But. From receiver, uh, that gets us over to the defensive back. Uh, we can round out the, the, the roster here. So uh, at the cornerback position last year, Jordan Brown, uh, seventh-round pick, didn't make it. Devontae Harris in the fifth round of the year before. He's a Bronco now. Darius Phillips in the fifth round. He's still around. Uh, and then this is definitely a position that they have valued. Uh, three first-round picks at corner. William Jackson in, in 16. Uh Darquez Dennard in 14, Drake Kirkpatrick in 12. Uh, in between there, they took Josh Shaw in the fourth and Lavelle Westbrooks in the, in the seventh. Uh, and then a, a fifth-round pick, Sean Pratter, and uh, a seventh-round pick, Corey Lindsay, uh, in 2012 and 2011, respectively there. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've obviously invested in it. What, what do you think they're, they're getting for that investment, though? Well, not only did they draft these guys high, but they also, you know, go out and sign Adam Jones and trade for Reggie Nelson. This is a position that they, the defensive secondary in general and corner is a position that they've always valued pretty highly. I didn't love the Drake Kirkpatrick pick at the time, but we all expected it. That was one of those that, you know, we, we knew it was coming ahead of time. And he was, he was solid for a late first round pick. I mean, Kirkpatrick, he's he's just moved on from the Bengals, right? So we just talked about him, but a victim of his draft status. He he's a fine number two corner, mm-hmm. but first round pick, expectations high, gets paid, expectations high. Uh, Dark West and Art had the injury issues, and the same can be said for William Jackson. These are both picks that, in in hindsight, should have been fine. William Jackson was a pick that we all really liked. Denard was not a pick that we loved, but he should have, he was fine. He was a fine pick, not just he wasn't a great pick. Um, yeah. and, and then he turned into one of the better slot corners in the NFL. And uh, the NFL still doesn't pay their slot corners enough. William Jackson has all the potential in the world. I would love to see him put it together this year. I don't think that they're necessarily bad at drafting corner. They, they definitely value it. Um, I just there's certain things that they don't value quite as much as I want them to. But that has changed a little bit since William Jackson, and that's ball skills. William mm. Jackson has really good ball skills. Jordan Brown, who didn't end up making the team from South Dakota State, also had really good ball skills. He just didn't tackle. He was like the least physical cornerback in the history of the NFL, maybe. So uh, he, he didn't pan out. But 
Darius Phillips, ball skills. So yeah. you're, you're seeing this trend uh, where the ball skills are showing up a little bit more in addition to some of the athletic uh, thresholds that they have. So I think that they're going in the right direction here. Yeah, definitely. It, it is interesting, too, because it's hard to judge because you have those three first-round picks, and after that, Josh Saw was a fourth-round pick. You know, like, so Josh Saw was a fine fourth-round pick. You know, they got a few years out of him. Um, you know, Darius Phillips in the fifth round, we're, we're all hoping we're going to see more of him. What you've seen has been very positive. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to gauge because – they invested heavily in these first-round picks, and they're just all right. You know, outside of Jackson's, you know, one really good year he had, they're just kind of all right. So we'll see what, what comes with Jackson, though. Um, yeah, so, I think there's still some hopes for Jackson, right? You still yeah. hope that he can recapture oh, that rookie year for him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and, yeah, and hopefully, you know, now with a full year with the coaching staff, they get things worked out. They put some stuff around him in the backfield. Um you know, you know, there's definitely some miscommunications in the secondary last year. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully things pan out. So that gets us to safety. Um, Jesse Bates was a second round pick uh, in 18. Very good as a rookie and pretty good last year, too. I think uh, we, we saw, again, some issues in the secondary, but pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good move there. Uh, the year before in the sixth round, Brandon Wilson uh, and a year prior to that in 2016, Clayton Fedulum. Uh, Duran Smith was a six-round pick the year before. Then we go back to 2013 for Sean Williams in the third. In 2013, George Iloka in excuse me, excuse me, 12. George Iloka in the in the fifth. Uh, and then Robert Sands and Brandon Gee in the fifth and third uh, as we get back to 2011-2010. So I mean, I think they did a pretty good job uh, in this position. They've gotten they've gotten good value out of it. What, what do you think? Forgot about Brandon Gee. He, he actually played corner for them, but I think they do really well here. You see a trend again. We're we're seeing so many trends as we go through this, right? Where they really like the fifth, sixth round safety, and occasionally dip into a second, third round safety. They've never been a first round, or not maybe not never, but not recently. They haven't been a first round safety kind of team, and for the most part, they haven't been a second round safety team until. Jesse Bates, but they, they do value the position. They've invested resources in it. Like I said, they traded for Reggie Nelson, mm-hmm. uh, but they, they've generally done really well here. They find these guys that can be good uh, special teamers, Brandon Wilson, Clayton Fedgelin, both of them very strong special teamers. Deron Smith is a guy that uh, I think Joe had a second round grade, might have been his best safety that year. And yeah. for whatever reason, he just hasn't caught on in the NFL, but he every time he goes, you know, XFL, whatever that other one was, He's been the best, you know, one of the best uh, defensive backs in the league. So uh, I don't, I really like the pick. He, he didn't work out in the NFL, but I really like the pick nonetheless. And then George Iloka is a home run of a fifth round pick. So oh, yeah. man, that fifth round though, huh? Marvin Jones and George Iloka in one fifth round, fifth round. That whole draft was, uh, was pretty solid. All things considered. Yeah. That, but, yeah and again, that's the uh, Mohamed Sanu draft. That's, that, that's Zeitler. You know, that's, that's a pretty good draft. I'm with you on that. Well, and Drake Kirkpatrick played for him for eight years. You can't really yep. complain too much about that. So generally a pretty strong track record at safety and, and low investment. So they, they do a good job of maximizing their return on this position and finding guys that contribute in multiple phases of the game as well. So I'm not going to skip the special teams, but we can't really make any conclusions here. Uh, but uh, Jake Elliott was a fifth-round pick. 
you know, panned out in the league. Shouldn't have put him on the practice squad if they wanted to keep him. But, uh, but you know, he was he was a good pick and he panned out in the league. They, just not necessarily great roster management if you if you wanted him to be your future there. Um, I mean, so so overall, um, I you know I think the the tackle thing is a bit of a concern. Um, especially if they do decide to go with that position. I have a feeling they like Hart more than we do. I don't think they'll go tackle early unless, like you said, somebody slips uh, that they do really like. But um, that's definitely a concern. Linebacker is a huge concern. Um, you know, what what stands out to you is you know, things they, to be worried about on this list. They haven't drafted linebacker well. I think that's that's the big one. They keep trying to find these guys in the third round, and they keep missing, and 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 the fourth round, and they keep missing. So they need to figure something out there. It seems like they may have turned the corner a little bit with their linebacker type. If you look at the guys they've picked, Jermaine Pratt tested out as a above average athlete. Malik Jefferson was a great athlete. Nick Vigil was an above average athlete. So they have changed the type they're looking for there a little bit. Whereas prior to that. Paul Dawson was a terrible athlete in terms of athletic testing. Um, and, and they were, they were going after all these guys to get downhill and, and none of them were working out going back to Ray Maluga, who was fine for a couple of years, I guess, but the NFL has changed and I think they're starting to catch up there. I, yeah, don't and I think the only way you can really do that, because I mean, I think the, the Patriots have done to some extent, the Patriots inside backers aren't, aren't the most athletic, like, if you have a really good edge, if you can play really strong in the edge and your backers don't need to be sideline to sideline, I think you can get yeah. away with that. And yeah. the Bengals edges were awful last year. Um, the first so, half of the year, especially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In particular. And I mean, I, I think outside of, outside of Hubbard being out there, they were, they were in trouble. Um, well, I and, thought Hubbard was actually really bad in the first half of the year and he got a little bit better as the year went on. And I thought Dunlap had a great second half, but the one concern actually I did want, I did just notice here is Deshaun Davis last year in the sixth round made no sense. Whatsoever. No, That's an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Should and he been. was supposed to be a, an intangibles, you know, he was like the, the, the leader of the defense supposed to be like a smart guy. And, you know, that was kind of the, the rationale you heard from it, but yeah, definitely does not fit into what we're hoping is the new model of getting the athlete. Uh, you know, yeah. he's 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 in many ways the the reverse Malik Jefferson, um, and obviously neither one of those panned out. But yeah, um, yeah I, mean, somebody... I, I would love to see him, even if it's not a, a even if it's not a, a second round. I would love to see them go maybe two guys at this position because they certainly need the depth and just get guys that can run. I mean. You know, you'll be okay with what you got right now uh, if you if you need to develop them a little bit. But, but yeah, just, just get some guys that can run and, and you know, and, you know, kind of teach them and, and see who it, who it sticks with and, and who you can turn into what you want to be. So, um, and, and there are right. some guys that, that you like at linebacker in this draft class that can do some of that stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, will, will they get overdrafted or will they be there? when you value them or will they be there because because i think the bengals generally do a pretty good job of not overdrafting guys drew sample notwithstanding uh sure the con- the concern is that there there the, there's some panic picks in my opinion sprinkled in in the last few years you, i think drew sample was was forced I, I i still don't understand that pick i think billy price was a panic pick when they could have looked mm-hmm. to another position that was a forced need pick 
And I think John Ross, to some degree, was, you know, they were desperate for speed at wide receiver. And so, you yeah. know, they kind of locked in on it. And and Marvin never liked John Ross. And so it was just, you know, coach and front office weren't in sync on that one. And, and so he got off to a really rocky start. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you're absolutely right. We talked about it looks like gays flying up boards. You know, Malik Harrison test, tested pretty well from Ohio State. A lot of people talk about uh, Akeem Davis Gaither. Obviously, he had the ankle thing, so maybe there's some value. Maybe he sneaks into uh, into definitely the third. Maybe he sneaks into the fourth round uh, because of that injury. Um, you know, Davion Taylor we were talking about before. I'm not sure if that was on the air or off the air, but uh, you know, he's a, he's an excellent athlete. Logan Wilson, a lot of people love to talk about. Yeah. Troy Dye is a big one a name that I've heard thrown around. I don't personally love him, but but I'm I'm willing to. Uh, bend a little bit on some of the things I like about linebackers if they can run and try and I'll try and change myself a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't even know if you, how you say his name, but Kaliki Hudson from Michigan. He's like that, that safety linebacker, you know, Jabril Peppers hybrid kind of guy in Michigan. I don't know why nobody's talking about him because that guy can run and, he's pretty, and he can do some different things. So I think he'd be an interesting one too. Uh, how about Jeremy guys, You know, somebody's gonna somebody's going to sneak in there, I think. Well, then there's Jeremy Chen. You know, or, or Kyle Duggar maybe around later if you if you like these bigger safety guys that or, sure. or who's a Clemson strong safety? What's that? Who's a, who's a Clemson strong safety? Uh, Muse. Like, what's that? Tam, Tam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Muse. Yeah. Yeah, and he he's, tested he's, really uh, well too. He's and he plays like two twenty seven. He gets to the tackle point and he just like loses his mind, but. <laughs> but <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's some there's some guys in there. I, I think, like in terms of safeties, I think Antoine Brooks is an interesting one too because he he'll I think he'll be a late round guy and he can do a lot of special teams things that could replace Fetch a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, he he jumps off the off the screen to me as a guy that can do some of those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a uh, couple guys we we haven't really talked about uh, uh, Joe Joe Bachi Bachi yeah. whatever his name is from Michigan State tested better than expected. Yeah. Who knows if you can see that on the field? Uh, Evan Weaver tested okay for what he looked like on the field. I don't, I don't love that pick, but, um, but he was a super productive guy, which used to be what the Bengals uh, were really all about was uh, uh, guys that really produced. So I think he was like just short of like an all-time tackles in a season record this year. Um, I mean, so there's some guys there that you can you can take a swing on it again. I'd prefer the guys who it's more clear their athleticism when you see it on the field compared to, uh, you know, in testing. I prefer to take a swing on those guys. Cam Brown from Penn State is a guy that I think is – I think he could be Kenneth Murray. He certainly isn't Kenneth Murray right now. But, you know, if you don't get Kenneth Murray, maybe get him late. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a chance to change their stripes here. There's a chance to do some different things and and try for those better athletes. And, and hopefully, you know, you, you strike on a couple. That is always the hope. Let's, so let's uh, I've taken up enough of your time, though. Uh, so, if you real quick, uh, where can can people follow you and and follow your work and and follow uh, Locked On Bengals, of course. Yeah, well, the Locked On Bengals account is at Locked On Bengals on Twitter. We do podcast five days a week, which at times is a lot. Today we talked about Power Rangers and Blues Clues for about a full minute, and you'll have to listen to the episode to find out why that came up, but. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter individually at Jake underscore NFL, which I think is a sweet Twitter username that I got many years ago. I was the first Jake to like the NFL in the Twitter world. So 
Jake underscore NFL for for Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty good. I I, I definitely uh, I'm, I'm sure Matt underscore NFL is taken. So um, I'm uh, I'm jealous. You got in early on that. We should sell it. It probably you probably make some money off that. Like five bucks. There's probably there's definitely plenty of Jakes out there that uh, you know, <laughs> talking NFL that would, that would pay some cash for that. So. All right. Well, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, give Jake a follow. He's got some, got some great info out there. Put Lockdown Bengals, you know, in your podcast queue right behind the uh, the Orange and Black Insider podcast. Uh, you know, plenty plenty of time for Bengals content nowadays. So uh, make sure make sure you're listening to all of us. Uh, and, yeah, keep on coming back. Uh, you know, the guys over there at uh, Lockdown Bengals have some great content for you leading up to the draft. We've got lots of stuff coming here, too. Uh, and we've had a, a great run of, uh, of guests lately. So if you haven't checked out the archive, make sure you do. Uh, but, you know, Jake is, is not the only one we're, we're pulling in. So make sure you check that stuff out. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 